Thanks for tuning in. 99 for One is a podcast of real-life stories meant to inspire ordinary people to do extraordinary things that change our world. This podcast is owned and operated by Will Cravens, author of the book 99 for One and founder of the nonprofit Endurance Leadership. Now for today's podcast, here's Will Cravens. Okay, here we are back at uh, 99 for One, episode 16. And today, as I promised last week, I've got back in the uh, studio Gumby. Welcome, hey. Gumby. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Gumby was on uh, trip five. You were with me and you and me and Tom were like the buddies that went behind uh, Mission Gorge, the Home Depot there mm-hmm. uh, with Juan and uh, Israel and the other guy, Baldy. Uh, and then last week I talked to uh, John Costello about trip five. And this week we we're going to pick up, I remember where I left off last week, John and I sp- spoke about, you remember the night we all slept on the concrete back patio? Uh, absolutely. And after that we met Eric. Yes who uh, was in a wheelchair, prayed with him. And I, th- I thought her name was Kathy, but I actually remembered her name was Michelle. Yes, and, yeah, it was Michelle. And and then they said, hey, and you gave him your mat, right? Uh, I did. After complaining myself, uh, sleeping on a hard concrete surface on a mat, we had been complaining about how we slept that night. And then we see these two sleeping literally on the concrete in the, you know, in the corner of a parking lot in between a dumpster. And my heart was broken, and I had to. I, I handed my mat off. But they they guided us to. Uh, they told us about these breakfast burritos that uh, we we heard were awesome, and so we went over uh, to the lifeguard stand at Pacific Beach uh, near the pier. And this guy brings the breakfast burritos around. And while we were waiting for breakfast burrito guy to show up. There's a bunch of homeless guys around. There's me and you. And on mm-hmm. that trip, we had you and I, and there was Tom, yep. and there was John, and there was Trevin, and of course, Steve. Steve. Uh, and so there's six of us. At any rate, I remember we're waiting for the burritos, and a guy skateboarded up. It's similar to what we experienced in the back woods behind Home Depot when the Alpha guy showed up and started swearing and putting everybody in their place. You knew who the Alpha was immediately. This guy skateboarded up. Do you remember? Absolutely. And immediately, what? The homeless parted. And there was several, I mean, maybe the dozen homeless there. Everyone parts, and he steps up to the, the front of where people are waiting, and he was clearly the alpha. Yeah, there was, there was an obvious, like, this dude's in charge. He starts barking comments. None of them were nice, mind oh, you. Oh, he was uh, swearing uh, at different swearing people. up and down at everyone. And really critical. He was mean to Eric, our buddy in the oh, wheelchair. Yeah, that's and right. Eric, Eric's apologizing to him oh, yeah. really for doing nothing. Everyone was bowing to this guy. <clears throat> and, the, and he plopped down next to this big rock they have there at the mm-hmm. end of the uh, pier. And he's sitting waiting for the burritos as well. On his left was a younger homeless guy who had a little dog. little than As well as a guitar. And I'm actually, we're, we're assessing the situation. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, if we're going to get anywhere this morning and meeting some of these homeless guys, you, just understanding the way groups work, you got to, if you're not in with the alpha, you're probably out. Absolutely. So I, I took a seat right between Whitey, as I, his name was. I loved that. I watched you walk straight to him and you sat down next to him. And I was like, okay. Exactly. <laughs> and, and you're prepared. You're like, do, if he starts attacking you, I mean, it was, it was, you never knew what you were going to encounter. Right, right. No, I, if he would attack me, I was going to pick up the Chihuahua defense. <laughs> but I, I plopped down there. Now I'm totally nervous in my gut. I'm not thinking this is a great idea. I'm just nervous, but thinking it's the right thing to do. So yes. I plopped down there between him and the guitar guy and the Chihuahua. And then I turned actually to the guitar guy mm-hmm. so as not to over, you know, take over the space and 
uh, piss off Whitey. Right. And just said, hey, man, uh, what's your name? We chatted. And I said, do you mind if I hit your guitar for a minute? I'm no good, but I started just right. a little DGA exactly. strumming thing going. Something. And then as I got a good conversation with him going, I just looked left to Whitey, mm. and you could tell he was checking us out. Oh, absolutely. He, he was knows looking like, at all of us. Yeah, there's like six people that don't belong here, mm-hmm. and he didn't know us. Yep. And I, and I just kind of looked left at him and said, hey, what's up, man? And just very casual to see what yeah. he'd say. And he's like, what's up, man? Where are you from? And I told him <laughs> East Coast. Yes. And we chatted a bit, and then I said, you know, what what's your story? And he, uh, I told him we, what our story was. Yep. You know, we're we were looking for out Ed. Here, yeah, looking for Ed. And yep. he said, "That's eh, cool, man." I said, "He's a tweaker." And and Whitey said, "Hey, man, I love meth." Yeah, <laughs> I remember he, he made, did. He made a comment. He said, "Man, the only thing in my life's never let me down. It, it, it absolutely is crystal meth. meth. That's it. It was uh, definitely bragging." And oh. I'll never forget oh, man. the guy. I think his name was Seth with a guitar on my right. Yeah. He pipes up and goes. That's not true, Whitey. Oh, last, right. last week, you got high, you passed out, and when you woke up, everybody stole everything out of your pockets. Everything. It sounds like meth does let you down. That's right. right. I remember his number two started putting him down, and then he, he put, said, your story doesn't really hold up, Whitey. But, and Whitey barked at him and put him Shut in him his down. place right. so quickly. So I actually, as I'm talking a little bit more with Whitey, I remember asking him, uh, you know, Whitey, is there anything we can pray for? That's one yeah. of the things we do. We're here to encourage yep. everybody we meet. Asked him if he'd seen my friend Ed, which he had not. He said, no, nah, I'm not interested in prayer. And then, again, going on a hunch like we had mm. when we were with Juan behind Home Depot, I said, yes. do you have children we could pray for? Yeah. His demeanor shifted. You yeah. got this, the heart of a dad who all of a sudden comes out underneath this hard facade dealer. Sure. And he said, yeah. And he wanted to pray for his daughter. Yeah. And so he told me her name. And I put my hand on his shoulder, started praying with Whitey, and he got choked up. Yeah. We finished praying for her, and his whole demeanor now is, is like softened. The hardness has melted. And and I said, Whitey, when was the last time you talked to him? Hmm. Years. Years. Why, why is that? And he, I'll never forget his phrase. He said, yeah. I got out of the way for a better man. Yeah. What, what does that. that mean? Gosh. He said, I'm a horrible dad. I, I'm an addict. I, I used to be, he said, an alcoholic. When I was on, I had too much booze, I would beat people. I needed to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. At least he knew enough to get out of the way because he was hurting his family. Yeah. And I said, well, you're not beating people anymore, right? Did you did you get rid of the booze? And uh, he said, I gave up alcohol for meth. I'm like, okay, That's wow. Sad. I said, well, have you spoken to your kids? And he said, no. No. Yep. And I said, why? And he said, as I told you, I got out of the way for a better man. And I just paused there and thought, there's no way that a kid on the planet doesn't want to just know it, that it could be, do damage just to hear that your dad loves you. I right. said, have you ever thought about just reaching out to let him know you love him mm. and you think of him? Yep. I mean, do you think of him? He's like, of course. Yeah, That's did. why he wanted to pray. So, yeah, I said, something to think about, Whitey. Maybe, perhaps, you could reach out let it let your kids know you love them. Because you mentioned a son and a daughter. Yeah, he said he had two kids, right? And, I, and I'll just never forget that sort of moment that this guy went from hardened, nasty, yell at people alpha to this soft dad figure who now all of a sudden's contemplating mm-hmm. his parenting and his life. Yep. So uh, as we do every week, Gumby, you know, we ask this question, what about you and me? So like if you're listening out there, what is, are there any takeaways from what we learned that day, what we saw that stands out to you? One application was with Eric and Michelle, the, uh, the homeless couple. They were sleeping in the alley. Absolutely. And we saw them being bullied by... Whitey, Whitey yeah. this alpha homeless guy, and we literally stepped in the way 
in between this guy, Whitey, and the rest of this homeless group that he was bullying. He was treating pretty harshly. Absolutely. And we took his focus off of them, and we engaged him. And I think it was how you engaged him. Because I think you you can engage him a couple of different ways. Yeah, you can actually stand up to a bully and try to shut him down with force. Or we actually went over and sat down next to him, asked him about his life, and started loving him. Absolutely. And the whole dynamic shifted, diffused his anger from those people. All of a sudden, now he's talking to us. Yep. And and uh, you could watch, you could see this rest of this homeless group also was was floored. They were like, "You guys are actually talking to him." No one talks to him. Right. Everyone just sort of kowtows. Falls in line. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a takeaway for me, if you see people being bullied to do something, and doesn't necessarily mean stand up to the bully and fight him. It's, Maybe it's ask the question, how do I love the bully? How do you love the bully? I would say an application for me was when I'm talking to somebody like Whitey, who may seem extremely hardened, rather than assume this guy's just a jerk, think, uh, you know, is there a way to love this guy? Is there some chink in his armor or some Achilles heel that I can find to, to find out where his heart is, you know, because I assume he's got a heart. <laughs> you know, he started by saying it was meth. Yes. His heart was meth. And then his <laughs> friend quickly exposed that lie. Uh, absolutely. And then when, when we actually mentioned the kids, he went a different direction. And so I, I wonder when we talk to people to figure out what their interests are. Everybody, number one thing you want to talk about is yourself and your own interests. Absolutely. And, and we it's can find that with somebody, especially who's hurting, who's distant, who's in trouble, to say, what does interest you? Where's your hope? Where's your dignity? Uh, that actually changes the whole dynamic, right? Yes. And how you engaged him, I think, was the key to it all. You stepped into his life. I guess what I'm thinking about what I had in mind was, how do I not offend the guy but work my way over there without disrespecting this dynamic. Yeah. For me, it all comes down to how you're going to approach other folks that are bullying people. And the best way to do that is to love them right where they are and engage in their lives. Honestly, I think, Gumby, that uh, bullies come in all shapes and sizes. You can have them in your office. You can have them uh, in your neighborhood. You can have them on the street. And sometimes people misuse authority and position. Mm. You know, sometimes they're in a family. They, they don't always see themselves that way. You know, when I, when I talked to Eric later, hey, whatever happened to Whitey? He said, you know, well, um, I think he's in prison and good riddance because he wasn't very nice. Bullies don't always see themselves as somebody that isn't wanted. Maybe they got their own insecurities, their own right. stuff going on. How do I love this person in my office, at work, in my, in, at home, at home, in right, our sure. family dynamic? You don't want to see during the holidays. Uh, it's a great question to ask because, as you said, uh, the way to deal with it is by loving them. Yep. So, all right. Well, thanks for listening to 99 for One and tuning in, and uh, have an awesome day. You've been listening to 99 for One, a podcast of real life stories meant to inspire ordinary people to do extraordinary things that change our world. This podcast is owned and operated by Will Cravens, author of the book 99 for One, and founder of the nonprofit Endurance Leadership. Thanks for listening. 